my name is Isla Borders, and I was the first woman to play men's professional baseball in an integrated uh, situation. And then I was also the first female to be a pitcher on a men's collegiate baseball team. And I went on to play four years of men's collegiate um, uh, baseball. And then I went on to play four years of men's professional baseball. And I became the first woman to get a win in men's professional baseball. Currently, I'm a captain paramedic out in Portland, Oregon as a firefighter. And you are listening from the heart. Excellent, Isla. Thank you so much. It's so great to see you and to get a chance to talk with you finally. As I mentioned before we started recording, I followed your story while the story was un unfolding. So I'm very familiar with who you are. We have a couple of friends in common, and I'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, I'll just share a couple more things about Isla real fast. She mentioned that she's the first female to play collegiate baseball on a men's team and to win. She was a winning pitcher. Uh, she also went on to play in the American Association for the St. Paul Saints, among other teams in professional baseball. I worked in minor league baseball as well, so we have a little bit in common there. Um, she has her name and equipment in the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. I've seen it there. Tim Mead, who was a previous guest on the podcast, is the current president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. And uh, so if you get a chance to go to the Hall of Fame, visit Tim and see Isla's exhibit there. Uh, she currently, as she mentioned, is a firefighter paramedic up uh, near Portland, Oregon, and um, she has a book that's been out for a couple of years now called Making My Pitch. We'll talk about that a lot today. Rumor has it that could be turning into a movie, so I certainly love to touch on that. Uh, you have a pro nonprofit called Fire Up Boot Camp. I'd certainly love to hear more about that and tell our listeners and viewers about that. But um, without further ado, Isla, thank you so much for being on From the Heart, presented by Orange Kiwi. Thank you for your time today. I love your setting too. She's for those that are just listening. <laughs> she's sitting in a, a nice car with the Oregon background uh, behind her, and you know it, it's just great to see you, Isla. Thanks so much. You bet. Thanks for having me and being. Uh, it's all about being adaptive and uh, making things work. Adapt or die, as people say, yeah. right? So, well, gosh, your story is just really fascinating. I have a, a big baseball background. For those that are watching, they can see my baseball and my Dodger cap and stuff on my bookshelf behind me and worked in minor league baseball and played baseball. And you know, I just have a passion for the game. And I also have a passion for people who are difference makers and pioneers. And, and so I get to talk to a person today that that is both a pioneer as well as a, a lover of baseball. So I guess my first question uh, it might be the first question that everybody's thinking of is, as uh, they hear this interview. You're about 10 years old at the time, I'm guessing, and mm -hmm. you go to your mom, your dad, your parents and say, I want to play baseball. What, tell me about that conversation. How did you first figure out that I can compete at this level with these boys? I just, uh, my dad, you know, played baseball a lot. We were always constantly playing catch. I was the firstborn, and my mother was 18. My dad was 20. They were extremely young. So we would go out there and play catch all the time. And my dad knew, he's like, man, you've got a really good arm. And I just grew up with a mom and dad that it didn't matter if you were a boy, girl, whatever. They taught me to, that I could be whatever I want to be. There was nothing to where, oh my gosh, girls go to softball, guys play baseball. It was like, oh, okay, you want to play baseball? Wow, she's got a really good arm. Let's go try out and let, let her do it. And if she fails and she fails and we go to something else, it's kind of like trying something out and see, see if you're good at it. And I was the person that would constantly beg my dad 
to go play catch, you know, if he was sitting on the couch, sitting in the chair, I would throw my mitt, you know, throw a mitt towards him and I yeah. would grab mine and say, dad, let's go. And so he saw that passion. And I think he was just like, Hey, let's let her go. That's awesome. So any, any opposition or standout experiences that happened to you in Little League? I know you had opposition throughout. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there in high yeah. school and college and professional. I've read a lot about some of that and I can only imagine as well. Um, talk about those first experiences in Little League. You're, 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 were you always a pitcher? I know you pitched later on and that's how you made your career, but did you pitch in Little League as well? Yes, I did. I pitched in Little League from 10 all the way up. And then I also played first base and shortstop. Kind of funny being a left-handed shortstop, but they wanted somebody that could really field, move, and throw the ball. So I played short first and pitched. And I think you're going to see a theme throughout every spot, or I should say every little um, chunk that I go through. I went through this with Little League. Then I get out, got out of Little League and I went into high school. Then I went to college and then I went to professional. And you'll see it was, boom, no, you can't come here. We're going to try to do everything to stop. And here's this opposition because it's so different. And I was the only one. So I did start out when I was 10. I was pretty much the only female. There was one other female, but she, she just didn't play. And they were just like, this is, they tried to block me from signing up for Little League. They lied to my mom. That's a big story in itself. And I didn't get on that first day because they lied to my mom. I had to come back. And what I did is I had to win my way on to even play Little League. Wow. And so that's what I did. They, I couldn't sign up. I had to go on a waiting list. I went on that waiting list and they said, we finally have an opening. Let's go out there. And then I had my opportunity to show them what I could do. And I struck everybody out I hit a home run and then they were like oh god <laughs> we don't care if she's female <laughs> yeah. if she could help us win we're gonna take her and that's what was the theme my entire life so it's little league okay they're gonna do anything to stop me and then win 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 do really really well and then the coaches changed and they're like no we want Isla and, and then you then, had to just face it all over again, I'm sure. Yes, and it was the same thing, you know. And then you did that in high school. My high school was La Mirada High. And that coach there said, you cannot play for us. I just, I will do anything you cannot play. So what I did then is I went to a private school that would give me an opportunity. And that was Whittier Christian High School. Mm -hmm. And they were like, hey, we'll give you an opportunity. It's up to you to make it or not. If you can't, no, but we'll give you an opportunity. I was like, okay, here it comes again. You know, no, but I go somewhere else and somebody says, maybe I go over there. And then I play four years of men's varsity baseball. And yeah, most guys CIFs. don't do that. Don't play four yeah. years of varsity. Sure. Yes. Four years. And then uh, we're in the CIF championships. And I was on, they rank like the top 10 pitchers all throughout Orange County in LA. And I was in the most innings pitch with the lowest ERA. <laughs> and so that it, I can go on. Then you go from that to college, same thing. And then you prove yourself and then you get to pro ball and you're just, it, it just takes a toll on your body after a while. And you're just like, Oh my God, you know, when is this going to stop? Well, and more than that, I'm guessing it probably took a, a toll on your spirit and on your mind mm -hmm. because, you know, most of us who have done things that, are difficult can look to a mentor, someone who 
you know, African-American ballplayers look to Jackie Robinson mm -hmm. or in sports in general. And, and uh, we'll get there in a minute. I've heard you talk about Bill Vec, the owner of the St. Paul mm -hmm. Saints is sort of your branch, Ricky, who's mm -hmm. the one that gave Jackie the opportunity to play uh, major league baseball. But before we go there, um, yeah, I'm sure the opposition and just the challenges, how, who mentored you? I know you, you said you played catch sure. with your dad and you probably had a lot of people who did, but did you look at anybody that you thought, okay, if they can do it, I can do it? You were the first. So there wasn't another female really to look at other than the Women's Professional Baseball League during World War II, which was the movie Aaliyah Their Own. Yeah, but, and that was a whole different makeup and a whole different right, ball game. Absolutely. Um, you know, when I talk to people now, who, what my biggest asset was, was not just, not only do you have to physically be able to do the job, there was so much um not emotional stuff but other things that were going on that you had to be the total package like you had to know a lot how to get along with the guys you have to know how to get along um and how to not let it affect you when people are extremely mean to you you know you got to get along with the girlfriends how do you how do you get through that um there's just so much other stuff that goes along with just being a baseball player Sure. And I didn't have anybody to look at. But what I did do is I focused on the people who believed in me. And there might have been 100 people that said no. But throughout my career, I've always had one person show up at the right time. Yeah. You know, so in Little League, I had my dad and I had one guy show up at the correct time. Um, high school, I had Caffrey. That guy said, he's the one that gave me a shot. Obviously, Charlie Phillips, he went out on a big limb for me and said, nope, I'm going to take Isla and put her on my collegiate baseball teams. And then you get the professional ball and everybody's like, no, no, no. But Mike Beck is like, hey, we'll give you a shot. So it's really a mindset of focusing on, okay, there's a lot of people that say no. There's a lot of people that don't want it. But give me one person that says yes, and that's all that I need. And then I'll make it happen. That's such great advice. I love that. That's 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 a great theme i think for all of us that, you know there's naysayers everywhere but if you just hang on to that one who says yes you can and let that person be your mentor and encourage you mm -hmm. I, I just think that's great so you mentioned a name of a gentleman that we both know well uh charlie phillips i actually spoke mm -hmm. with charlie earlier today because you know i i know charlie and you have a, a great history tell me about so you're, you're you're finishing up your career or towards the end of your career what are you at in in high school what are you a christian mm -hmm. and um you get the call from Charlie. Charlie at the time was the, for those that don't know, he was the head baseball coach at SoCal, Southern California College in Costa Mesa. It's now Vanguard um, over by the Orange County Fairgrounds. So he calls you or you hear from them for the first time. What are your thoughts and what's going through your mind? Oh, I'm so excited. I mean, here's a guy that played, you know, at USC with Dato. He's mm -hmm. a left-handed pitcher. He was with the Angels and he believes in me is going to give me an opportunity. He came and watched me pitch. And I was like, this, I could learn from him. Mm -hmm. Not only is he going to give me an opportunity and believes in me, I can learn so much from this guy. And so I was excited is not just the aspect of going to that school and being seen by scouts because there are tons of scouts there and he was getting people signed, but it was really the opportunity to learn from Charlie. And that's what I was just so excited about. And it's a Christian college, which I'm sure that, mm -hmm. that was important for you for your values as well, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that was extremely important. It, it was nice because I was far enough away from home, but I was still close enough to where if something happened, you know, I could go back. And I'm a big surfer. 
Nice. <laughs> so cool. right there. Yep. And everything, like I said, you know, I put maybe 20 applications out to schools and three came back. And when I heard from Charlie and his background, I knew without a shadow of a doubt, that's where I belonged and that's where I needed to be. What, um, what can you tell me about some, he, he shared some stories, but I'd rather hear them from you. Oh God. Uh, obviously, <laughs> the, I know that if it happened today with social media, the way it is, yeah. just with, with, you know, there are no secrets in anybody's life anymore. Yeah. How would your life have been different, do you think, then had all of the social media and everything else existed? Mm. So that's part one of the question. The other is just, I know there still was a tremendous, and I remember it, a tremendous amount of media attention. You were on Jay Leno, yeah. you were on the Today Show, you were all over TV, because obviously mm -hmm. you're doing something that's never been done before. Talk just any experiences that hit you from, from that side of it, and then how you think it might've been different today. Well, I saw that as it prepared me for professional baseball. Okay. So there was so much media that my uh, my academics started to get you know i felt like a sense of duty to give back to the college because they gave me so much but then i was doing so much media that now my studies in school and everything started to go down so i was trying to find that balance of what i can do to give back um it was just a really tough balance plus i'm still a young kid sure and i you know you think you have everything dialed in but you don't and to now get all this media, um, you know, I'd go into classes and media was there. They would take pictures. They would write everything. I had no sense of privacy. I didn't feel protected. Mm -hmm. And so that's really scary as a young person when you don't feel protected and extremely vulnerable under a lot of pressure. And um, I just became more and more of a recluse. And the pressure was, was intense because I did. I was like, oh, my gosh, if I mess up. I'm not just messing up for me. I'm messing up for all women who come after me. And that was a big burden. Sure, that's all and, to carry on a, a young, young oh, person's shoulders. Yeah, and then how to you know act appropriately um, at that time. And then not having that mentor. You know, what do yeah. I do? What do I say? Do I tell them actually what's going on? Do I not, you know? And then at that time, I think if that stuff were to happen now, one, it wouldn't, <laughs> they would yeah. stop it. They yeah. would stop it right, right then and there. But then, you know, I'm grateful that I went through that because it's really prepared me for life. Sure. You know, it has really prepared me for life. Um, so I'm grateful going through that tough time, but I think this day and age, that's not going to be the case anymore because a, a lot, a lot of things have changed. If you could go back to that 18-year-old kid that's going right into SoCal College to pitch and play college baseball with the boys, mm -hmm. what advice would you tell the 18-year-old Isla? I'd say just uh, not, don't care so much about what other people think. That's so hard for a young adult. You know, you just, it's, it's just extremely difficult when you get older you're just more in tune with yourself you like yourself more you just don't care as much as what what people think or you you have certain people that you care about you know uh, what they think about you but at that time um, I would just say go out there you love this game Isla you love it more than anything go out there enjoy the moment have fun and you know just don't care what people think go out there and have fun how often did you want to quit Ooh, I don't think I ever wanted to quit. Like quitting in my brain 
it never got into my brain to quit. Um, I think what got to me was just, I was extremely exhausted and tired and depressed. Hmm. And there was no, like, no matter how bad it would get, there was nothing in my mind that would quit. I, I just, I, that doesn't, I've never quit anything in my life. Yeah. You've had a fair amount, and we'll come back to baseball here in a second, but I do know what I know about you is you've had a fair amount of adversity, not only that, you know, obviously the opposition and people telling you from 10 years old on up, you're a girl, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. Or, and I know playing baseball myself, I was told you can't do this only because I wasn't very talented. You know, with me, it had <laughs> nothing to do with the fact that I was, you know, I wasn't female, I just wasn't good enough. But you've had some adversity, I know you've had some loss in your life and some tragedies. How, how has, how did your experiences in baseball, everything we've just talked about oh. to this point, prepare you? Nothing can prepare you for losing a spouse or a loved one or what have you, but I know you've been through that. How, how has that prepared you, would you think? Oh, baseball, like I was saying, has prepared me for my current job, working as a captain, you know, fire, fire paramedic. It's prepared me to, yes, lose, lose my spouse, um, which was the most difficult thing I've ever gone through. And baseball did that by, um, when you're going through some tough times, you have to know, you have to have outlets. You, when I was depressed, when I was, you know, scared beyond belief, when I had this huge weight on me, I needed to figure out what do I do with these feelings? You know, um, how do I cope with these feelings? And um, instead of, I'm very grateful, you know, instead of drugs, alcohol, or any type of destructive behavior, to kind of forget all that, I just reverted back to going on a baseball field Hmm. or working out. That that's my way of releasing it. And then also not getting too religious on people mm-hmm. because I have friends that are, you know, um, a Mormon and a Catholic and Christian. I mean, a, a very diverse network of people that have different faiths. My faith just happens to be Christianity. Sure. And so faith helped me out a lot too, because I was like, okay, I'm going through this horrible thing. Um, I don't know why it happened, but I have a purpose. I don't know what that purpose is right now but i know that i have a purpose and my job is to fulfill that purpose and i just need to get through this time through exercising journaling leaning on my friends and my community and um then trying to honor that person and that's what i'm trying to do now i love that i spent 32 years mormon you talked Mm -hmm. about having mormons my wife and i and we about six years ago we left and Whole another discussion for another time, potentially, but uh, we, we joined a, a non-denominational community Christian church near mm-hmm. us about five years ago, and it's been just fantastic. And yeah, when times are tough, whether it's the adversity of 2020 that we're all facing right now, or it's this election season, or it's the, the tensions against the underserved populations of our country and our world, having that faith has certainly gotten me mm-hmm. through, and I'm, cer- I'm certain it has for you as well. Yeah, I try, you know, I, I talk to other people and they just have, as soon as you tell them you're from a certain faith, they're just like, ah, they're immediately like this. Yeah. And rightfully so, you know, sure. some of the people that are religious people are so judgmental and non-loving. And it's just like, man, we need to change that. We need to be more loving. We need to be more giving. We need to be show that our faith helps us out. I mean, seriously, with without... God in my life, I, I know for sure I wouldn't make it. 
hundred percent wanted to do. Yeah. And is that something you always had growing up? I know you went to a Christian high school, you went to a Christian college. Has your faith been a, a driving force for you since you were young? Oh, yes. Sorry about that. No, it's fine. I don't know where that went. Lost your picture. There it is. She's, hey. There we go. Um, definitely, yeah, that has always gotten me through, especially uh, in professional baseball. I just, I didn't have anybody that I could trust. And then I also couldn't be um, authentic to my parents because I was trying to protect them. You yeah. know, God forbid I tell my dad what was going on. He would probably come out and do some horrible things, you know, so I had to, sure, yeah. I had to keep, and then my mom would be so afraid and scared to death. So I'm like, okay, I need to talk to somebody that's not going to leak it to the media. Um, so I did a lot of journaling and a lot of praying and kept everything to myself. Yeah, that's really, really hard. So you finish up at, at I keep wanting to call it Vanguard. I know it wasn't Vanguard at the time. Um, how did the opportunity to go play in St. Paul and the American Association come about? Well, this is my thinking. One, Barry Moss was a, a he played for the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. He came out and saw me pitch and he loved what he saw. I was throwing the ball pretty well then around 82 and I was throwing a lot of innings. That was their thing. They wanted to see innings too. And so he's like, I'm going to invite you out. We don't give contracts. We have, oh gosh, I can't remember how many pitchers showed up. I want to say 20, maybe 20 to 25 and they would only keep 10. And so he's like, come out there and we'll, you're going to get an opportunity. And the nice thing is we sold out the seasons, three seasons. So he goes, nobody can say if you make the team that we this signed you to sell yeah. seats. Yeah. He's like, we've already sold them. We don't care. Yeah. That's um, great. And so I was like, you know what? This is a perfect place to go. One, I thought it was going to be too high of a jump because you have ex major leaguers that are coming back. You have JD Drew, number one draft picks coming in. Um, oh my God, triple A, double A, I mean, people in here I am coming from college. It's really tough, Yeah. but that was my opportunity. I went for it and they just, same thing. They gave me a fair shot. Um, I was able to make the team and, uh, go from there. And you spent four years. So it's yeah, not like this was a flash in the pan. I mean, the average baseball career at professional level is a lot less than that. So you've outplayed most of the guys that have played professional ball and most of us who would have given a right arm or a left arm, depending on which mm. side you are to, to be able to play pro ball. Talk about being the only girl uh, in the dugout, in the locker room, mm. on the road with the guys. I mean, I'm sure there were guys on the team that treated you exceptionally well and probably protected mm. you. And then there were other guys yep. maybe early on that's just like, what's this broad doing in my dugout? You know, yep. I'm quoting what I hear guys say. That's not my fault right. at all. But um, just anything that stands out, anybody you want to give a shout out to or someone that just took you under their arm or just in general, I'm sure that, you know, you didn't go into the same locker room with the guys probably. Yeah. And Charlie shared a little bit of that with me at Vanguard or SoCal College. I have a lot of people to thank. Um, let me give you an example of how this happened. When I first got there, with the St. Paul Saints, you know, I had a great experience with the Saints, but you know, people are like, what is she up to? What is she doing? What is she, is she out here to prove? Usually at that time, they're like, is she out here to prove something? And then when they finally got to know me, they're like, oh, she's literally out here because she loves the game and she's good yeah. and she can help us win. I'm okay with that. But then they were like, well, how is, how are things going to change for us? And so what I tried to do at that time 
was not disrupt their life. I was like, if I want to make it with this team and, and have them die for the ball behind me and like me, that is, you do need that. I'm going to try to not disrupt their life. I'm not going to take a shower. I'm not going in their locker room. I'm going to do my own thing and try to keep life as, um, as normal for them as possible. And so then when we just get on the field, it's let's go play ball. And then they can do the same thing, go to the, um, you know, the bus. They, they also found out I keep my mouth shut. You know, I'm not telling people what's going on at the hotels and the bus, all that stuff. So now they're trusting me. Yeah. And then that gets around the league and they're like, oh, she's cool. You know, she's not, it's not about media. She's helping her team win. Uh, she's not telling everybody what's going on and getting me, <laughs> getting them in trouble. Sure. Um, and so it was, there is a part where you had to fit in the, with their family. And then on top of that, you have their wives. Right, exactly. And so it, I talk about it in the book. I dressed as, as dumpy and ugly as I could. No, no makeup, no nothing. <laughs> You know, I wanted them to say, oh, I'm fine with my husband mm -hmm. hanging out with her. Yeah. Um, just to no attention whatsoever. And that really helped out a lot. That helped well, out a lot to. Yeah, you, had, you had to focus probably harder than most people on being a really good teammate. Mm -hmm. and yeah, I've worked in professional baseball and I know a lot of stories that I'll never share. Just like mm -hmm. I know with people that I've worked with, it's not exclusive to baseball or even athletics. I mean, we, right. we all get to know as we, as we spend a great deal of time with someone, you know, a baseball season or wherever you tend to work or go to school, you're just going to learn things. And so, yeah, to be a good teammate, to be a good, a good companion, I guess, is really, really important. And you probably had yeah. to get a smile on that so that people wouldn't be well, she's just in this for the story or oh, Good yeah. America or, you know, all these different shows. You probably, you, you strike me as the type of person that probably didn't really like all that attention that much. No, I just, not at all. Mm. I, I, I just really love the game. Yeah. And to give you a little example is finally, you know, 60 Minutes was coming out and I was in Fargo and I was pitching against the number one team. And it was a madhouse. And that's why I describe in the book, my team pretty much created a bubble around me hmm. so that I could shuffle down to get to the walkway to, you know, get to the, not the dugout, but where I needed to get ready. And yeah. so you talk about, I was like, wow, things have changed. They are, they are protecting me from other crazy fans in um, a visitor's home. And I just, I was, that meant a lot to me. Tell stories, if you could, or a story of, of um, young girls who I know there's a lot of stories that I've heard and I've seen and people have told me about of, of young girls or parents of young girls who came to you and talked to you and just thanked you for your influence. Mm -hmm. Can you share any of those and the impact on you for with some of those uh, stories? Yeah, that's what I think kept me going is it was really, really hard. And I think it was the pressure that was really hard because I was like, I have to do good, not just for me, but for other people. And, you know, I was thinking about that girl or that teenager or even that woman in the stand. And she's maybe she's like just sitting there going, oh, my God, this is cool. And it wasn't just to say, hey, women can play baseball. It was more of, oh, my God, this girl is doing something that's never really been done. Um, only could imagine the type of adversity and she still's got some guts to go out there and then if I could inspire them for whatever field it is become the best you know cook to become um, a hockey player 
to yeah. become, you know, a rower, anything to say, hey, this is different, but I'm still putting myself out there. I'm still working hard and I can be successful. And then to see those little girls ask for that, that, that meant the world to me. What I got to tell you as a man who did play baseball and I've never really been told other than talent, like we talked about a minute ago, I've never been told I couldn't do anything because I'm a white male. And your story inspires me and a lot of men too, that, Hey, if, if she can play professional baseball, I have no limitations. You know, mm-hmm. the silver spoon that I was born with in my mouth, I should already feel like I can do anything. And I know there's a lot of people that I know who were inspired by your story, who already had things pretty good and were not really trying to do something as a pioneer, but just trying to do something that maybe they needed to elevate their game a little bit, their game or their talent or what have you. So I thank you for that inspiration as well. So talk about Mike Vec a little bit. You brought him up and Bill Murray. I know I've seen a few pictures with you. He and Bill Murray are a couple of the owners of the St. Paul Saints. Any any stories you, you mentioned in one of your hmm. YouTube videos I saw, and I know probably in the book as well, which I'm going to read. Um, just, you know, full disclosure, I've ordered it, hadn't, haven't received it yet for those that are wondering. Um, you mentioned that he is, is sort of your, 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 your uh, Branch Ricky. Branch, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. was the owner of the Dodgers who signed Jackie Robinson and Jackie started in 1947 with the Dodgers. Um, talk about Mike a little bit and his influence on you. Gosh, where do I start? Hmm. He is still... Uh, not too much of a mentor because we don't talk that much, but he's a mentor to me by just his actions. So he first, when I first got in, he met me and we walked around the parking lot and he was just like, I'm telling you I'm here because I believe in you. He goes, I have a daughter. I want her to know and have every chance available that, that she can do something that she wants to do. He goes, I'm, this is going to be up to you and for you to get this. And he just, he was trying to make me feel comfortable. He was trying to put me at ease. And he was just saying, I believe in you and here's your shot. And he did that throughout the entire time. He was just checking in with me, seeing how things are going. But the bigger picture with that is I watched how he treated his employees. And then I watched his story on his failure, what he did, what he thought was right with the whole Chicago White Sox thing and how that kind of blew up in his, in his face and then how he recovered from that. And I just, I learned so much from him just by watching him. Um, so he had a tremendous impact on me just to say, hey, I believe in you and um, I'm not gonna make you do tons of interviews. You do whatever you wanna do. And if you don't wanna do any, I'm fine with that. And so, God, it was just, it was a huge relief. It made me feel comfortable. And then, like I said, now I watch him just how he goes about and treats his employees and lives his life. Talk about any moment where you were on the mound and you're pitching and you had that, Mm -hmm. that aha of, I really do belong here. I would say when I was at Fargo, because I was pitching at Fargo, it was, everybody's like, oh, you don't write about your first win in the book. I'm like, Mm -hmm. nope. I could barely remember it. Not I know, even about I that, do, right? Yeah. Yeah. What I do remember is facing the number one seed Fargo with their top to down. I mean, their lineup was stacked. Their pitching was unreal. They were in first place and pitching in a way, and I was starting. I went six innings. I left the game when we were up two to zero. Um, there was a bunch of hoopla before the game. I mean, it was really bad. And if you could take something, just turn it upside down. That's what happened when I left, you know, everybody that was yelling at me 
saying, get the hell out of here. Um, now we're cheering for me. Yeah. And it was just my mind. It's really hard for somebody. You're like, wait a second. You were just yelling at me, <laughs> you know, yeah. and you were saying all these horrible things about me on the radio. And now you're shaking my hand and saying, good job. And people are cheering. It was, it took me a while for that to really sink in, but that's, that's really memorable to me. That's awesome. I, yeah, I'm reminded of a quote that I'm going to hammer right now, but it's something like, you know, those who say it can't be done need to get out of the way of those of us who are doing it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, a lot of naysayers, I'm assuming you know, from what you've shared and just what I know about, like I said, I followed your story as you were living it. And, uh, you know, you grew up down here in Southern California where I currently live. So I remember seeing this girl in high school pitching and, and following, wow, she's actually good. And um, so, yeah, it, that's a, uh, that's awesome when somebody who didn't believe in you can become a believer. And it's really cool when it can happen in the matter of an hour or two. You can get a nightmare yeah. screaming at you in the first inning who just watch you throw six shutout innings against a powerful lineup. And they're going, hmm, something do this. Yeah. And like you mentioned before, too, it's not like Mike signed you to fill the seats. They're selling out. They still do. The Saints still sell out. And you're not there anymore. And they've always just been a. They didn't you know, need me. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. I needed the opportunity and Mike gave that to me. And I keep on mentioning Mike Vec, but I'll tell you what, Marty Scott was my manager. He was the one that made the decision. And Barry Moss was the coach who saw me and even invited me there. So there's, I'm very grateful for those men um, and what they provided and, and um, just so much knowledge. I'm so grateful for that. But I would think um, kind of getting back a little bit, I think to develop somebody now, what I was grateful for is I really developed my mind. Yeah. I, I do think that I see kids that we spend so much money on developing their, their talent, their strength, all of that, which you have to do. But I really feel like, well, we really need to spend more time on developing the mind. That's a really great point. In the profession you're in now, you're a firefighter, captain, paramedic. Mm -hmm. Uh, not an easy job. Uh, I've never done it, nor will I, but I know a handful of people who do. Um, talk about how all that adversity and that training and conditioning and and just your baseball career from age 10 to, I'm guessing, you were mid to late 20s when you finally hung up the mm -hmm. cleats, so to speak. Before I ask the question, did you know that your last game was going to be your last game? No. What happened? Nope. Um... A little bit that last year, I mean, looking back upon it, I, I wish I would have done it a little bit differently, but it is what it is. Um, I was really, that last year I was with the Madison Black Wolf, I had a low ERA and I was doing really well. And I was talking to tons of people. I really thought that I deserved a shot to be invited to spring training camp. I think anybody right now that's throwing the ball, you know, at, at that particular time, 82 left-handed, I had a low ERA and I was pitching the American Association that that's how do I describe it that's like the best independent ball you can get sure it's like just give me an opportunity to go there when they said oh my god there'll be way too much media we just can't do it or yeah we'll think about it and then at the very end oh we just can't do it it I let that affect me mm. you know and I, like I said I was a young kid at the time and I wish somebody just would have said hey you know what you do deserve it but prove it to them again and I just felt like okay I've met my match 
I've done the best that I could. I can't do any better than what I just did. And if that wasn't good enough, I'm never going to get the shot. And they said, it's because of the media. Well, how am I going to control that? And in my right. mind, I gave up and I wish I just would have had some, somebody say, we'll do it again and do it again yeah. and do it again. And, um, yeah, I got out of the game for that. And I honestly, I was tired of being broke. You know, yeah, you get you're to not a point making money where, playing an independent <laughs> like, for sure. You're like, all my friends are getting married and um, they're in their career, and I'm still, you know, staying on people's couches and trying to get a job here and there. And like I said, I was very, I wish somebody just would have said, it's okay, you're doing something special. You know, it's, yeah. it's okay to be broke, it's okay. But, um, well, you got you to know, do something was, that a lot of people never get to do. And I'm sure that you look back now, you probably even knew it then, but you definitely as, as years go by, I'm sure you can look back with, I mean, I was a GM for three years in independent baseball and not many people can say they got to do that. And I got to do it in my hometown, you know, with my family my wife, my kids, yes. everybody coming to the ballpark, my parents, my wife's parents, friends from high school and college showing up on summer nights, you know, just who gets to do that? And I, yeah. I knew then how lucky I was, but now I look back and just say, no, I wasn't lucky. I was just blessed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right there with you. I yeah. had four years of playing professional baseball that have shaped me into who I am now. And I'm so, I'm, I'm just overcome with gratefulness of the people yeah. who helped me. And then what I went through and how that's developed me of who I am today. I'm just so grateful, you know, and I still play ball. You know, I was out there the other day, there's a couple of guys from Gonzaga. I go play catch with them. He'll play. Um, I don't really work with a lot of women unless it's with MLB or USA baseball because there's just not a lot out there. And so I still go and play catch and try to help out men baseball players. Yeah, I've seen you on YouTube hitting ground balls to folks and stuff, boys and girls, mm -hmm. and doing a lot of youth camps as well. So that that's mm -hmm. awesome. How has your career in baseball framed you and, and prepared you for your role as a firefighter now as a paramedic and talk about how you got into that and why you got into that i wanted something i just i thought what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses what do i what do i want to do and i lived a lot of my first part of it's you know me 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 with baseball 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 and i wanted to give back i really wanted to give back and i wanted to live for something bigger than just myself and my accomplishments and so I was like, okay, I can work independently, but I can still be a team player. Um, I'm, ex I'm very fit and I have really good strength. Um, I can think quick on my feet. I'm more mechanically inclined. Um, I've done woodworking. I just, how my mind works. I want something new every day, challenging every day. And I got into firefighting and absolutely fell in love with it. And it's, it's almost the same as baseball, but just, you know, not baseball. You are working independently. You're a team player. You have to think on your feet. It's, it's stressful and you've um, got to be able to control yourself and, and think clearly. And I've just been able to take everything that I learned baseball, move it into firefighting. And it's helped me be um, successful. Awesome. Let's talk about your book, Making My Pitch. Talk about your book, your co-author, um, the impetus behind that, uh, the impact that it's had. And what's next? Well, Gene Ardell, I'll tell you this, that book would not have been possible without Gene. Um, nobody knows me better. Um, I tell her things that I, I don't know. She just, nobody knows me better than Gene. She's known me since I was 18 years old. 
I feel comfortable with her. And um, I gave her everything that I had and more. And then I told her how I wanted it to kind of go and be written because I've read other books and I was just like, I don't feel like I know the person afterwards or somebody else wrote it. I want to hear from them. And so I was like, who's a better person than Jean to give me my voice, but she can help me put it in a professional manner and put it together. And I'm just so grateful for her. I'm grateful for her support. Um, I'm nothing. Yeah, that wouldn't be out here unless Jean helped me with that. But it is my voice. I put it out there. I put a lot of things out there that are actually quite embarrassing. But <laughs> um, it's it's just to say, hey, you know, this is what I've gone through. Um, I try to be as open and honest and as vulnerable as possible to let people get a glimpse inside and then also show the mistakes. You know, I made yeah. some good um, good decisions and I made some bad decisions. And then I just try to tell people so that they could learn. You know, when I read books now, I, I really like to read biographies and I like to learn from people. Sure. Yeah. The, the hashtag on our podcast is everyone has a story and it's true. And that's why mm -hmm. we do this. I mean, my whole reason I love talking with people and just having a, even if this wasn't being recorded, I'd be just as fascinated with this conversation as I already am. Because I just, I love the stories that people share, whether it's pioneer breakthrough stories like yours or just my next door neighbor who's a mailman mm -hmm. who is raising his kids. I mean, everybody's story is very intriguing. So how has the story that's come out in your book, what, what, what feedback? And I, I know you're not doing it for that, but I know you've gotten a lot of feedback. I know there's talk of a movie. I know mm -hmm. people have come to you at autograph signings at Angel Stadium and other places. Um, what are you hearing that the impact has had on people? Well, the, what I like about it is I'll give us like a broad spectrum of who contacts me. I have an 85 year old white male who has written in and said, oh my God, I can relate to you so much. And that just made my heart just, I, I was so grateful to hear that. I'm like, here's an 85 year old white male that relates to it. Hmm. And then I've got it where they're teaching it in colleges now. And, um, you know, hearing college students who didn't have that experience they're in college now and their life experience with certain things are not the way that i had them when i was growing up in baseball and dealing with that tough time and and um adversity they're just like thank you for telling us we didn't know it was like that back then and to see how it affects them and then you have I usually don't try to give it to somebody under 14 because of the context that's in there and the verbiage and things that I discuss, but it also is baseball thought, after all, right? Baseball, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and then you can have, yeah, a baseball person that says, Oh my God, I love the baseball part of it. And then they say, well, I like the faith aspect of it. And then other ones are just like, it's so good to know that there's somebody else out there that struggles with this and I could relate. So I think, being able to relate to a bunch of different people has um, really made it special to me. Yeah. Now the movie. Gosh, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, hmm. I think the toughest part is we put so much into that, Gene and I, that they're, and when you watch a movie, they usually have one theme. And the screenwriter right now is going, oh my God, how how do I take all these things and make it into a script? So that's where we're at right now. We're putting a script together. We have people that are interested, pretty excited, but um, we'll see what happens with that if it comes through or not. If it was 100% up to you, 
And here's that question that you have to maybe oh, no. think about. If, if you had to pick the theme of it, what, what might you want the theme? What would you want the message to be? It's different. You know, and again, I've read a lot of books and then seen the movie and you're right. I mean, I, Freedom Riders is a great book, one of my all-time favorite books. Yeah. And then I oh. saw the movie and I was kind of disappointed because there were stories in that book that to me were the, the meat and potatoes of the book that mm -hmm. didn't, even, didn't even get mentioned in the movie. Still a great movie, but I was disappointed. So if you could pick the theme, you hope people come away from the movie once it's made. Have you thought about what you really hope they take away? Yeah, I have one, but what that they do, I don't know. Right, right, exactly. Um, so I'm really hoping to reach a mass audience, I think is just putting yourself out there and doing something that was not done at any time. You're the first one doing that and overcoming adversity over and over and over again to where you finally get success. I think we all need that right now. Yeah. You know, you go out there, you put yourself out there, you work hard, you know, you fail and then you come back and then you fail and you come back and you keep going until you finally get where you want to get to. And that to me, I, I think would reach to everybody. And that's what I see it about. I don't see it about not getting along with my dad, even though there's aspects of that. Um, I don't see it as, oh my gosh, she's a gay person and it's, it's about that or you know, um, she lost this person or a faith thing. What really comes down to is we're all human beings. We all have a story, like you said. And I think we need to inspire more people to go for it when it's against all odds. And then show if you stick with it and have a good attitude, most likely will come about. And that's, that's the message I'm taking away from this conversation with you. And what I know about you is the adversity and the challenges of being a female athlete in a male dominated world, being Christian and sometimes where that's frowned upon, depending where you are being gay, which obviously has mm -hmm. its issues as well. Mm -hmm. And being at a Christian college and so forth. Yes. Like that, that, that had to be a challenge too. And if we had another hour, we could probably, if you wanted, you know, dive in, but I just, I admire that you've just looked at all those challenges and just said, you know what, I can overcome. And I hope that if anybody listening today or watching today comes away with that same inspiration of, hey, you know what that challenge I'm facing? Yeah, it's still pretty big, but I can look at Isla and her story and maybe just maybe it'll inspire me to take that first step. So I appreciate that very much. How can we get the book? What's the best way to go? And how can we reach you if somebody wants to reach out because you've touched their life today and they want to reach out? What's the best way to yeah, do Yeah, if so? you want to reach out, um, I think the, the cheapest way is to go through Amazon to get Making My Pitch. Um, that's there. And then if you also go to my website, um, www.makingmypitch.com, um, you can go in there and you could message. And I usually will always respond to people. You know, my, my job now is to in, encourage people. And gosh darn, there's even, if there's women here that still wanna play baseball or they want some help, some of them even ask my advice in certain situations, reach out to me, I'll, I'll tell you what I did. Do you have a favorite athlete, favorite ball player from growing up or now and why? Ooh, gosh, favorite athlete, I think growing up was Nolan Ryan. Mm -hmm. I like, he's just so fierce and he was aggressive. Um, so I'd say I really watched a lot of Nolan Ryan growing up. And as far as now, oh man, obviously everybody likes Trout because he's a right. good guy and he, he is an MVP status. But I'll tell you what, 
watching Mookie Betts mm -hmm. in the World Series, I love people who are passionate. Yeah. And here, you could tell he's just having a good time. Yep. And it's like, oh my God, that, that's a guy I want to watch all the time is Mookie Betts, how he, how he goes about the job and he's just so excited. Love watching him. Yeah, I liked his post-game interviews were just as fun as, as watching him play. So yeah, obviously a big Dodger fan myself. I know you're an Angel fan. I love the Angels well, as Dodger well. Too. Okay, that'll go. Good. I like to, I like to hear that. Yeah, me too. We're Southern California kids, right? Yeah. We have to like them both. So, yeah, if they play each other, I'm rooting for the Dodgers. But all other times, I I, I really do have a lot of respect for Trout and the Angel organization. Tim Mead, obviously, who yes. was there for 39 years, and and so many friends that have or do still work mm -hmm. there. So that that's great. Um, thank you for sharing that. Uh, so I, I always like to hear who people look up to or who they admire because it says a lot about the person too. And so the values that you see in Mookie or Trout or Nolan Ryan, mm -hmm. you know, guys that are at the top of their game, worked hard, you know, mm -hmm. same, I would probably list those three kind of in that order too. Nolan Ryan really inspired me as a young person and still does. Well, I'm at the end of our time. I know you have a hard stop as do I. Um, the name of the, and thank you again, Isla. This has just been so much fun. Anytime I get a chance to talk baseball, but then to talk baseball with someone as lovely and wonderful as you, it's just a real honor for me, and it's why I do what I'm doing. I started this podcast at the beginning of 2020, this year, and I believe you're going to be episode number 44. I've had 44 hours of conversations with some really amazing people, present company included, mm -hmm. so, so thank you for this. Um, oh, thank you. I'm having a wonderful time, and then, yeah, um, Tim, Tim Mead, awesome, awesome man. That's another one I, I just greatly respect and oh a lot too so yeah, yeah thank you it's always anytime i can talk baseball like I yeah said, we can go on and on <laughs> exactly well let's do this again soon but as you know the name of the podcast as you said at the beginning of the hour is from the heart my last name being heart but it also really is the reason why i do this is um you know we can read your book and we will and we can look you up on google and wikipedia and watch youtube videos which i've done uh followed your story from the time you were young you're still young, but you know, you're younger than I am. So you're still really, really young because <laughs> I'm still young. But um, let me just finish the, the interview today. I love orders. What's in your heart? I would just say absolute love, love for love and gratefulness. Um, every day that I go about life, I'm just so grateful for an opportunity for another day. And everybody that's come into my life and inspired me, it just overcome a gratefulness and then just love because uh, you know I got into the firefighting because I just love humanity and so to be able to interact with people daily so I would say gratefulness and love that's what's in my heart 